Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 28 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Reno, and this episode of the Top Dog Talk is presented by Wretches by Paul. Wretches by Paul is an Atlanta-based business which offers a large selection of unique, antique, modernized furniture and jewelry. Thank you, Wretches by Paul, for supporting the Top Dog Talk. We are back here on the Top Dog Talk. As always, I am your host, Harris Reno, and I am excited to be back here for episode 28 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Thank you for listening with us today, but before we get into everything today that we're about to discuss, and mainly we're going to be discussing the hottest topic in all of college football in just a few moments, I would like to ask you to make sure to share the podcast, number one, on social media with your friends, family, so we can continue to grow the Top Dog Talk, but also, wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, I think we're on SoundCloud, you know, wherever you're listening to, make sure you like the podcast, rate it five stars, and give us a review, and we may give you a shout out on the next episode of the Top Dog Talk podcast, so thank you again, and let's get right in to what is the hottest topic and maybe all of sports. Now, maybe with the Olympics starting, you know, the other day, maybe that will outdo the story, but I think everyone is talking about the story, and I know for a fact it is the most talked about story in all of college football because there's nothing else going on. We are just days away, well, we're the weeks away, almost a, under a month away from the return of college sports, especially that home that season opener neutral field game against the Clemson Tigers September 4th around 7.30 on ABC. Can't be more excited for that one, but before we get into that, we got a lot to discuss today, especially regarding a potential SEC expansion that could turn into a further college football conference expansion. You know, we're talking about the first super conference in the history of college football right here because news broke Wednesday afternoon from the Houston Chronicle from a Texas A&M beat writer that I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because I don't want to butcher his name because he basically broke the story and many think leaked it uh, because Texas A&M doesn't want this to happen, which we'll get to later, but we'll just call him Brent. But Texas A&M beat writer broke the story that both the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma had reached out to the SEC about a potential move to the Southeastern Conference. This move would be a legitimate shakeup of the world of college football as we know it. These two programs are the biggest programs in the Big 12, the founders of the Big 12 for what we all know as they broke away from the Southwest Conference and brought over some teams from the Big 8 Conference to join them in what we now know as the Big 12. Now, you know, the Big 12 is down. We know that, you know, over the last decade or so uh, since Texas A&M left, they've lost Nebraska, they lost A&M, you know, they, they lost, Ar- not really Arkansas, but they, they lost all these programs, and the Big 12 hasn't been the same. Tech, you know, Oklahoma has won the last six straight Big 12 titles in football. That makes 12 out of the last 20 Big 12 titles. And now it looks like they want to move over to the SEC and get a little more bang for their buck, if you will, uh, in terms of competing for a national title and getting back into the college football playoff and try and win the national championship, which is just the goal of every program in the country. Now, from what I know and everything I've read and seen, the 
the pair, well, they're really the trio, have had informal talks about joining the SEC for the last six months. As long as the last six months. That's not a a confirmed number of months, but it, it has been going on for a while. I've heard six months, and I think that could be accurate. And, and really, the most interesting thing is you back up six months. You know, this all dates back to when Texas was hiring Steve Sarkeesian, the former Alabama offensive coordinator. Obviously, you know, maybe Sark was made aware of this you know, discussion with the SEC, I, I, I bet he was when he was taking the job. And, you know, maybe maybe it's a promise that they made to Sark that they would move the University of Texas to the SEC to compete for the SEC title, not only the SEC title, but the national championship. So Chip Brown then reported this past Friday that Texas and Oklahoma are both, quote, leaving the league, barring any unforeseen developments, and will join the SEC. That was told to Chip Brown, the Horns 247 uh, editor, I believe his uh, title is, by high-level sources. Which means the schools now, that means the schools are determined on leaving the Big 12, even though there is a meeting on Monday that the Big 12 will have with Texas and Oklahoma, uh, where they are supposed to announce that they will not renew the league's grant of rights, which is their media and television deals. But what is interesting, everyone's talking about how this could affect Georgia and the SEC as a whole. Well, this thing won't happen as quickly as people are talking about. I know that the process will be getting started as early as next week, right when Texas and OU hand in their letters of not wanting to renew their contracts and leave the Big 12 Conference. There is one bylaw that states that that will prevent this from happening for two years, uh, anywhere from uh, a, a year or two, because by, by Big 12 bylaws, excuse me, state that any quote withdrawing member must give the league at least 18 months notice of their intentions to withdraw from the conference. That means that the Big 12, that, that the Big 12 must be given a year and a half notice of anyone leaving the conference. And that means that this will not move as fast as people are guaranteeing or thinking about. I don't expect to see Texas or OU in the SEC until maybe after the 2022 seasons. Now, obviously, the process will be started well in advance of that. But 18 months notice, you know, that's you're not going to be in the Big 12. You're not going to be in the SEC by the start of the 2022 season. You won't be in the SEC by the end of the 2022 season. You will be able to join, uh, basically, uh, right before the start of the 2023 offseason, if my math holds correct on all of that. So, you know, that is definitely something to watch, but I would not expect any big changes coming until that 2023 season when the 18 months notice uh, law by the Big 12 is suffice so what's going on with all this you know here are the facts we know the current media television deal with the big 12 doesn't expire until june of 2025 which is a big deal because obviously that's a few years away that's about four years away from where we are today uh, a little little under four years away because uh, we are in the month of july heading into august thankfully because football season starting soon but the money to buy out of that contract is around an estimated $80 million in a buyout fee without any such penalties. That's that's minus the penalties. Now, you know, we could see the Big 12 try and incur penalties on both programs, which could take that $80 million price tag 
up a whole lot more. Um, we could be talking in the 90 million to 100 million range, um, just you know, with the addition of penalties. Now, these penalties, you know, can be fall in the court of law. You know, Texas and OU could take the Big 12 to court and try and negotiate those fees down and make sure that they don't have to pay those extra fees and look at a cost upwards of 100 million. Uh, so that is possible. Now, how feasible is it for the Big 12 to say, okay, we want to pay 80 something million? in buyout fees with potential penalties and then there's also the fact of texas may have to pay another 150 they would have to give up another 150 million uh in money for from espn regarding the longhorn network texas's own broadcasting network that covers the 40 acres and all their sports so that's i I did the math that's 230 million that Texas would be losing if they want to withdraw from the Big 12 early, you know that's that's a lot of money, and, and you know that that may be a drop in the bucket for a school like the Big 12. Uh, you know they they for a school like Texas, excuse me, that's like a drop in the bucket. They have money. There's no doubt about it. You know even with COVID, they have enough money. They bought out Tom Herman. They brought in Steve Sarkeesian. They played a pretty handsome penny for his coaching staff that looks to be a much better coaching staff than they've had in the last pre in the last two head coaches uh, since they fired Mac Brown but you know th- they have the money to absorb that and and they're hoping that they can make that money back and some more when they sign a lucrative and I mean lucrative deal with the SEC and ESPN and that is worth noting that the SEC has already accepted and agreed to a deal in with ESPN over the television rights to the SEC for the next decade. You know, this this CBS contract is coming up soon. Uh, we do know that this ESPN contract with the SEC does not start for a few more years, but with the addition of Texas and OU, that would mean they would have to renegotiate that contract and make it even more lucrative because you're getting two of the biggest and best programs you know, in college football, not only today, but of all time, to join the SEC. So we do know that the SEC's current contract with ESPN runs through around 2035. Uh, so I would expect that you know ESPN would probably throw in a few more years in that deal, maybe talking 2040 uh, before that deal expires, and, and then maybe you throw in a couple more million dollars, uh, you know, because you're getting two top tier programs in the country. top dog taking all this you know i know i've seen opinions across the realm of you know this this is bad for georgia this is bad for so and so in the sec you know this this is not good well here's my take you know because i'm not i wasn't a fan of this at first because obviously you know we're already looking at an sec that is the best conference in college football it is the pinnacle of college football uh in all likelihood it is the pinnacle uh in all honesty well, here's what this means for the SEC, and here's why they're going to do it. It means more competition, which means more money, which means more f- revenue, and means more football. This would make the SEC a 16-team member conference, an expansion from 14. You know, And you already have teams like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Tennessee, Tennessee, all these really, Auburn, you know, all these really good programs, historically good programs that have been competing for SEC titles for decades. You add in two very profitable, very lucrative, 
you know, name brand alone, big programs in Texas and OU. You know, Oklahoma's up there in what I think is the top tier of college football, right alongside Alabama, right alongside Clemson and Ohio State. There is Oklahoma. They are perennial college football playoff contenders. You know, yes, they haven't been able to get over the proverbial hump of winning a college football playoff semifinal. They are, I believe, 0-3 in that game. Uh, maybe 0-2 in that game. They haven't, you know, they lost to an LSU team. They lost to Georgia. You know, they haven't been able to get over that hump yet in the college football semifinal. But look, they got a lot of things going for them, guys. Don't count out Oklahoma. I know we talk about the Big 12 as the conference that doesn't play defense. You know, defense is foreign to them. They are a conference of offense. And, and rightly, rightfully so, because they got a really good head coach over there, guys. Lincoln Riley is one of the top offensive minds in the game of football today, including professional football. They are our professional teams trying to lure that man over into the NFL because he is that good of an offensive play caller. He is one of the best play callers in the game, right up there alongside Steve Sarkeesian. You know, Steve Sarkeesian did tremendous things in his two years at Alabama, took that team to tremendous heights, historical heights offensively, and won them a national championship in the process. So you got to give credit where credit is due. They got a really good offense over there at OU. Spencer Rattler is probably one of the top quarterbacks, returning quarterbacks in the in, in college football today, and looks like he's up for being another Oklahoma quarterback to be drafted number one overall in the NFL draft in 2022. If he decides to go, and most likely he will, uh, because of the production he is expected to have in this 21 2021 season. Now they do have another thing going for him. While their offense is historically good. Like always, their defense is starting tightening, starting to tighten the ship over there on that defensive side of the football. Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, you know, has shown improvement in that defensive side. Obviously, you know, this is a very different defense than the one that Georgia gassed for over 200 yards of offense, over 200 yards of rushing offense between Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb alone. I think it was around 300 yards uh, combined. So, you know, you're talking about a very historical performance from those two in that Georgia backfield. This is a different defense, guys. They've gotten bigger up front. They've gotten better up front. They've gotten better in the secondary. You know, this defense, this front seven, has gotten better. Uh, you know, they're still putting the pieces together. I, I don't think they're a top five defense in college football this year, but I think they could be a top 20 defense, a top 10 defense. They are within that realm. They have the talent. They're recruited at elite level. It's just time to put the pieces together and play at that high level. So, yes, I, I, I believe that OU, you know, is a contender in the SEC. There, there's no doubt about it. You know, they, they are one of the favorites to make the playoffs this year. I would think... Uh, you know, they're probably one of the favorites to win the national championship. My, you know, in my opinion, I think they are uh, one of the two teams remaining when it all is all said and done in the national championship. You know, as much as I would like to see Georgia win it based off the returning production alone on offense, I think the only team in college football that could rival that returning production is Oklahoma. You know, you look at their receivers, you look at their running backs, you look at their quarterback, Spencer Rattler, one of the best in college football. They're bringing back so much offensively, and they're continuing to improve on defense that they could be the team to knock everybody off and stun the world and win the national championship coming out of that Big 12 conference, the very same conference that they want to leave. So, you know, they are definitely a team to watch. Now, you know, this is where things get interesting. We're talking about the University of Texas. 
one of the all-time greatest programs in college football. There is no doubt about that. I know Georgia fans have a bad taste in their mouth when talking about Texas. You know, in the most recent Sugar Bowl loss to Texas back in 2019, the 28-21 Sugar Bowl loss that every Georgia fan remembers, every Georgia fan talks about as the game where Georgia didn't show up. You know, and it's true. Georgia slept walked that whole game offensively. The offense did not look good at all. They had no run game. The offense was a little bit sloppy in the passing game. Obviously, they turned it on to the second half, but it was too much to overcome, you know, with that Texas offense led by Sam Ellinger, who led that power spread, you know, to perfection against Georgia. They, he could do whatever he want, whatever he wanted, and whatever he pleased against that Georgia defense, even though that defense was a really good defense. You know, Georgia struggled containing the quarterback run of Sam Ellinger, much like it did a few weeks earlier with Jalen Hurts when he came in in the SEC title game. But the fact remains, that was Texas's most significant win since Mac Brown was fired as their head coach. Mac Brown led Texas to the national championship against Alabama in 2009 and lost. Since then, the Horns have failed to return to the national championship scene. They've yet to win a title since 2005. And yes, they are one of the 95% of teams that like to joke Georgia about not winning a championship since 1980. Guys, we're heading up on 20 years since Texas has won a national championship. 20 years. In 2025, when Texas, you know, in their deal with the Big 12, their media rights deal is done, that will be 20 years since Texas has won a national championship. And they've gone and since then, they've gone through three head coaches. Mac Brown, then the first one. They hired Charlie Strong. He didn't pan out very well. You know, then you go to Tom Herman. He didn't, you know, I mean, obviously, there was a big step up. Then, I mean, not a big step up, but there was a step up from Charlie Strong to Tom Herman. He got that team back to an eight-win football team. You know, a nine-win football team, I should say. A mediocre football program. Where, you know, he left them where they were left under Mac Brown. You know, Charlie Strong was expected to take that team back to new heights, get them back to winning 10 games, and potentially, you know, returning to that national championship level. Well, he failed to do that. He had a pair of five and seven seasons, and then he was canned. You bring in Tom Herman. He gets them to seven, eight, nine wins. You know, he gets them to their first 10-win season since Mac Brown was at that school. And then he gets canned, you know, two years later after going seven and three in a COVID-shortened season. You know, Herman just never seemed to put it together. You know, with his coaching staff, he made the same mistake that his predecessor made. He brought too much of his staff over from his previous job in the Power Five at Houston. Just brought too much over. He didn't do what Sark did when Sark brought in all these coaches from around not only the Big 12, not only the SEC, but from around the country. He tried to bring in the best possible coaches at each position, and I would say he's done that successfully. You know, you look at their offensive line coach, Matt Flood. He was the architect of that Alabama offensive front. They did tremendous things last year. They kept Mac Jones, you know, healthy and, you know, clean back there in the pocket. Not too many times was Mac Jones sacked last year, even against Georgia. You know, they kept a clean pocket for Mac Jones and allowed that offense to flourish like it did last year and even opened up running holes for Najee Harris in that Alabama backfield. So, I mean, we talk about that, but the truth is, the power spread wasn't working to its heights like it did for Tom Herman at Ohio State. They just could never put it together. 
Obviously, quarterback play, you had average to good quarterback play with Sam Ellinger. Let's be honest, he wasn't as great as a passer as many thought of him to be. But look, the, the thing is, the Horns are not where they used to be. This is not the same Texas team that it was back 10, 15 years ago under Mac Brown. You know, you, you could be looking at a team that could take a proverbial step back by moving to the SEC. This, you know, I question why they want to move to the SEC because I don't know if they can win in the SEC. You're, you know, depending on what you do with the conference realignment, I don't know if Texas has, you know, what it takes to compete for SEC titles. I think Oklahoma can. You know, you look at their offense, they have the offense, they can score points like LSU did, like Alabama did, there's no doubt about that, and, and their defense is coming together. I would say it's an average to above average defense that is getting better. But for Texas to compete in the SEC, they got to start getting back to recruiting the state of Texas much better. You know, and, th- and their philosophy recruiting-wise needs to start from inside out. You need to recruit the state of Texas first. You need to get the best talent available in the Lone Star State and then look outwards nationally and get the best players available outside of the state of Texas because you, over the last decade, you've allowed out-of-state teams like Ohio State, Alabama, LSU to recruit at a very high level in the state of Texas, and and they've won national championships out of those Texas players. They've competed for national championships out of those players. Texas needs to get back to you know recruiting the state of Texas first and making sure that you are the best to do it in that state. Now, we talk about these two teams and what they need to do in order to compete for SEC titles and what it would mean for the SEC. Obviously. We're talking about two teams that would, you know, expand the conference to 16 teams and make it the proverbial super conference that everyone thinks we are heading to in college football within the next decade. Well, there is one thing that is standing in the way of this happening, at least for Texas. Texas A&M, their old rival, their arch nemesis, uh, the rival that just keep, doesn't keep going away, uh is trying to stop this from happening. Very publicly, I might add. You know, obviously, it is believed that they leaked the report to this Texas A&M beat writer to try and get out in front of this media storm to try and stop this deal from going through. And there's no doubt in my mind that they are trying to rally with other schools. You know, we're talking the Missouris, the Arkansas, the Kentuckys, trying to get these bottom-tier programs, Vanderbilt, trying to get these other bottom-scrapers in the SEC to join together in, you know, in a pact with Texas A&M to deny this expansion from happening. Because to be honest, Texas joining the SEC is not good for the Yankees. Obviously, their rivals, obviously the rivalry was canceled back in 2011 when Texas A&M decided to leave the SEC, excuse me, decided to leave the Big 12. And since then, they've been mocked by Texas fans for ending the rivalry and running away from, quote, competition. Now it looks like the Aggies are running away from competition. They don't want Texas to join the SEC, and here's the fact why. Because Texas A&M has made a living over the last decade of being the lone team from the state of Texas in the SEC. That's been the recruiting pitch for the last decade. That's how Jimbo Fisher got an Orange Bowl. He's been counter-recruiting the Longhorns ever since he's been there. That it's the SEC versus the Big 12. You look at the success rate of S- of players coming out of the SEC in the NFL. They're doing great things in, in the NFL now. You go to the SEC, you're going to get prepared for the NFL 
you're going to play at a high level, you're going to play top-level competition, and then you can go off to the NFL and have a successful career. When you look at the Big 12, those players aren't as prepared, some might say, for the NFL level. You know, you see a lot more players out of the Big 12. I can't back this up statistically uh, because I haven't done the research on it, but you don't see as many players, it feels like, from the Big 12 doing big things on a big stage like the NFL. You know, they, they call the SEC the little brother of the NFL, the, the development league of the NFL. So, you know, they've, and it's not only AM. You know, AM has the, the in state ties to say, hey, we're the only school in the state of Texas that can offer you SEC football. Obviously, you see how that would hurt AM if Texas comes into the equation in the SEC. Because now, Texas AM's, you know, lead counter recruiting proposal against the Horns is no longer true. They will be one of two teams to be in the SEC. Now it would be up to AM to try and be more successful than Texas, trying to beat Texas year to year record wise and trying to be more successful. Can AM do that with a Texas team that will, you know, level out the playing field in the state of Texas again because they're in the same conference again? You know, can the Aggies continue this? top 10, top 5 level of recruiting with a Texas team that's in their same conference? You know, we don't know. And and this isn't only affecting the Aggies, but it affects teams like LSU and Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State, you know, is in the Big Ten. And and the Big Ten, I would say, is a better conference than the Big 12. Even though Ohio State owns that conference, much like Oklahoma owns the Big 12, Ohio State is competing for college football playoffs, a spot in it. And they just came off a year where they competed in the national championships, even though it was unsuccessful. They've been able to pull players out of the out of the state of Texas like no other. You know, this also hurts teams like Alabama, who who, who like LSU, another one, who've been able to go into Texas and say, "Hey, we play in the SEC. You come here. Not only you can play for national titles, but you're going to go to the NFL and have a good career at it." So, you know, this this hurts. The SEC. This hurts Alabama. This hurts LSU, Ohio State, Texas A&M, especially. You know, this is more competition for those teams, not only on the field, not only on the gridiron, not only in the conference, but in the recruiting area of the sport. You're gonna have to have more competition for some of the top players in the SEC, for some of the top players in Texas, because Texas is in your conference now and competing not only on the field but in recruiting. So yeah, this hurts. But that is not the only recruiting effect that this has. Because you look at Georgia and Florida, two programs that have recruited at a good level. I would say Georgia's recruiting at an elite level. Florida's been recruiting at a top 10 level, which is I would say is good. Uh, it's not the top 1% like Georgia, but they've been recruiting at a successful level, even though despite not being able to lock down the state of Florida, which is a talent-rich state, it is one of the most you know, productive environments for high school players to come out of and go into a career in college at the college level so you know you look at the state of georgia and florida georgia's done a really good job of locking down the state of georgia and getting the best of the best of the peach state you know how does adding in texas and oklahoma affect that you know obviously brock vandergriff current george quarterback looks like he's going to be the third string this year and maybe you know take this year to learn the game plan and all that how does this affect that? Obviously, he was a former commit to Oklahoma, and he was sitting right in Georgia's backyard in Athens. You know, he was going to Princeton Avenue High School. Christian, you know, that was right in Georgia's backyard. They had to flip him from Oklahoma to get him on campus. 
you know, how does Texas and OU coming into the conference affect them? Obviously, you know, you're going to be playing in front of the state of Texas, in front of the state of Oklahoma, you know, every every so often. Depending on how the schedule shakes out, depending on how the realignment shakes out, you could be playing there a lot. And, and vice versa, Texas is going to be playing in the state of Georgia. Oklahoma is going to be playing in the state of Georgia. They'll be playing in the state of Florida. Giving these recruits, these top-level recruits in each state, a chance to see what these schools have to offer. This is not only more competition, recruiting-wise, but these are two more teams to the mix that will contend for SEC titles. You know, so, obviously, not only is this more money, not only is this more competition, but this could have a drastic effect on how not only Georgia does the business in the SEC, obviously, this makes the path to the playoffs a lot harder for the Bulldogs, but it makes their path to a successful recruiting class a lot harder because you're adding two top-tier programs to the mix in the SEC. So this is a story to watch out for. Obviously, this week looks to be a big week as the Texas A&M Board of Regents have scheduled a meeting for Monday where they will discuss, quote, contractual issues with the SEC. So are we talking about this unwritten rule or the so-called, quote-unquote, gentleman's agreement that the SEC had made with Texas A&M, where Texas A&M has the absolute veto power over the addition of a school from the from its own home state of Texas? You know, is this the gentleman's agreement? Is this the contractual issue that they're talking about? Because everything I've read, everything I've seen, says that this is a unwritten rule. It was not on paper. There's no nothing on paper that says Texas A&M has the power to veto this. So this could be a case of whether. You know, the SEC wants to choose its battles. You know, the SEC pick its battles. You know, the the unnamed conf- the, the unnamed NCAA commissioner and Greg Sankey, you know, basically the unnamed president, president of college football, you know, Greg Sankey, will have to pick his battles. Does he want to upset the Aggies because he let in their rival in Texas, added more competition, added more money, more revenue, you know, more football to the mix, or does he want to upset Texas and OU and potentially see those two schools, those two elite programs, historically speaking, go to a conference like the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, and rival the SEC's dominance for college football. That is a decision he will have to make in these coming weeks of whether or not he want, who he wants to make mad and what chain of events that sees. You know, could the Aggies be running away from the SEC and going somewhere else? Obviously, you know that that could be on the table. I don't know. You know, with the with the SEC and CBS's contract running out, you know the Aggies could say they want to leave the SEC and go elsewhere. You know, I don't know where elsewhere would be, but they would be running away from competition again, as Texas fans, you know, would call them out for. So there there are a lot of decisions to discuss. You know, with this Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC, obviously, you know, there this will have drastic measures, a drastic change of events, chain of events unfold um, that could see the rest of college football team up and make super conferences to try and compete with the SEC, you know, because not only are we at a 14 uh, college football playoff now, but we're more than likely expanded to a 12-team college football playoffs, which means, you know, with a 16-team SEC, we could see majority of those at-large bids go to SEC teams because of the strength of schedule the SEC will have with Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, Auburn, LSU, Florida, you know, 
forgive me if I'm forgetting anyone, but you know, that is probably a really, really tough schedule, the toughest schedule you could say in all of college football. So a lot of things to watch and we will keep you updated on all these measures and all these changes that will be coming more than likely to the SEC in the coming weeks and months and years uh, as Texas and OU weigh their options of whether or not they want to join the SEC. So obviously that, you know, that was just the first 30 minutes of this episode. You know, I, I didn't want this episode to go much longer than 45 minutes and it won't. You know, that was just 31 minutes of this episode. Obviously, largely this episode will be discussing the, the hottest topic in college football, obviously being Texas and Oklahoma in their pending move from the Big 12. But Georgia also got some big news on uh, this this past week. Obviously, on Thursday, they gained the commitment, the first commitment uh, in, in, a, in a few weeks, uh, a big commitment, you know, potential momentum shifter um, from running back, five-star running back, I, I should say, Branson Robinson, out of the state of Mississippi. Obviously, 5'10", 220 pounds. You know, he is a big, physical, strong back. Uh, there, there's been videos of him squatting over 600 pounds and benching as nearly as much as 400 pounds at the age of 16. That is ridiculous. Branson Robinson looks like a grown man in his pictures on his official visit to Georgia this past June. So, you know, this is this is a big get for Georgia. And, and like our friend Brooks Austin said, this was probably one of the worst kept secrets in the industry because, it you know, we, we knew it was coming for so long. We've known, we've heard the rumors. You know, we heard all about it, how Georgia was in the lead for Branson Robinson and that he was going to be a big get for the uh, for the running back room and obviously continues the trend of Georgia landing some of the best running back talent year to year in each recruiting class. You know, a welcome addition to the Georgia backfield, uh, which will be seeing the departures of Zamir White and James Cook as they head to the NFL at the end of the 2021 seasons as seniors. So, you know, you bring in a fantastic player in Branson Robinson. He joins Jordan James as the only other running back in this class, and I, and I believe you know at running back they're done. I don't think they're going to take another running back unless something happens with one of these two commitments. I think Georgia's done at running back. I, I, in fact, I know they're done at running back because why would you bring in more? Um, so you know, Branson Robinson, really good commitment there. We've seen it coming for weeks now. Finally, good to get him back in the boat and to finally get some momentum back on Georgia's side. So you know that brings us to who's next. And I think, obviously, the next big target on Georgia's board is Oscar Delp, the tight end out of West Forsyth, Georgia. You know, Georgia's in a recruiting battle. We talked about him at length on the last episode of the Top Dog Talk podcast and about how it's a battle between Georgia, South Carolina, and potentially Michigan to land the very, very talented Peach State product tight end who, much like Brock Bauer, you know, is a pass catcher. He is athletic. He is going to be a playmaker for Georgia, whether he's in line as a tight end or flexed out, out out wide as a tight end. So Georgia's continuing to bring in reinforcements on the offense. Obviously, you're going to be losing a lot of skilled players offensively. You're going to have to replace some of those names, and none bigger than you know potentially JT Daniels, who will be replaced than Gunner uh, with you know a freshman and Gunner Stockton, uh, who will be coming to Athens and hopefully competing with the likes of Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, uh, for the starting job as the quarterback in 2022 if everything goes to plan with JT Daniels and him leaving after this coming season. But Branson Robinson's commitment did not come without its bad news as Georgia lost out on Denny Dennis Sutton. Obviously, 
you know, he committed to Penn State. Uh, Penn State was considered a favorite for Sutton, and you know he he was the one of the major targets on Georgia's board. Sky high potential, an underrated prospect up until you know the month of June, where you know he visited Georgia and the buzz started. You know he's six five, two hundred fifty pounds. He can play in a three four scheme or four three scheme. He's athletic. You know a lot of high upside. And I, I think, you know, he would have been a huge get for Georgia. Obviously, you know, Georgia has had a history of producing top ed, you know, top tier edge rushers. And I wanted Sutton in this class. I thought he would join this class. But it looks like in the weeks following the, the June visiting period that things took a swing towards back towards Penn State uh, instead of Georgia. And, you know, I, I, I just want to say this. Recruiting is not over until the letter of intent is signed by every single player. Every single player that is committed to a school is still on the board for Georgia. That is the truth. Until they sign that letter of intent and are bound to that school, recruiting is not done. Georgia is going to continue to recruit Sutton hard. They're going to continue to pursue him. But they're also going to have to start looking at other targets and try and get some of these uncommitted targets to commit to their school um, to join Darius Smith in this class of edge rushers. So, you know, Georgia still has a lot of work to do. Obviously, a top 10 class is not what Georgia expected. You know, we've lost some momentum. Uh, that is undoubtable. We lost a lot of momentum in June with the decommitments of two five-stars in Bear Alexander and Dion Bowie. Uh, Georgia has to get some of these kids back in the boat. and uh, has to start landing some of the top prospects. You know, losing out on a Travis Shaw or Walter Nolan, you know, probably the biggest targets on Georgia's board, would be a death blow to this class. And I think uh, would really throw... Uh, this Georgia fan base into panic mode if you cannot land two of your top targets in the country uh, over the next coming weeks. So I promised you, you know, just a few moments ago that this episode would not go over 45 minutes long, and it won't because this is the end of the Top Dog Talk podcast, the 28th edition of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Very excited. We are closely approaching, uh, fastly approaching the 30th episode of this edition of the Top Dog Talk I'm your host, Harry Serino, and as always, this was the Top Dog Talk Podcast. Thank you, and see you soon for the 29th edition of Top Dog Talk.